So you already saw that I got my hands all Play-Doh-y. This is not new. My mom is an artist, and so I always grew up with, I just took for granted there being art supplies in the house. I remember going to my friend's house and seeing that she didn't have a, we had like a, one of those rotary pencil sharpeners in our basement, and I asked her where was her pencil sharpener. She didn't have a pencil sharpener. And I, I blew my mind. Just, I just assumed everybody had just art supplies at the ready all the time. And one of the things that I grew up with was having a big box of clay, like that, that red clay that you would have to fire to make it permanent and solid. And I loved playing with clay. I loved that feeling of that like slippery, muddy stuff on my fingers. And we would, you know, roll things into slabs and make pots or do pinch things or we would do the coils. We didn't have a, we didn't have a wheel, but we did all kinds of other things. And I would make quite elaborate uh, people and animals and uh, just, I loved that. I loved being able to just play like that. And so imagining God at the beginning of creation, scooping up and creating just, a, it's a beautiful image to me. And um, of course, as wonderful as the things were that I made and as lifelike as they looked, I think my mom actually still has a few of them uh, lying around, which I'm sure I will get when she dies. I'm not sure that I want them anymore. But anyway, uh, as lifelike as those things were, they were, of course, not alive. Because I am obviously, as I have already said, not God. In the first account of creation, though, God is sort of, in the first account of creation, uh, so we, we're in Genesis 2. In Genesis 1, we hear a whole different story of creation in which God is sort of at a distance. God is this sort of cosmic creator. God speaks a word and there is light. Speaks a word and there is land. It's sort of a, it's a, it's a cosmos kind of God. But this God, this is a God who scoops up mud and forms it into a shape. God's fingerprints are all over this story of creation. And not only God's fingerprints, but God's breath. This is an intimate story. So just as we reenacted with the children, God gently shaped that first mud person, Adam, out of clay. Adam wasn't, at the time of writing, a name. It was just a word that meant earthling, person made of mud, dirt, Soil scooped up from the earth, Adam, and even now human comes from hummus, the word for soil, the lat that Latin word for soil or dirt. And then God took this person and performed divine mouth-to-mouth suscitation. A suscitation, by the way, is not a word I knew existed before, but as I was, I was thinking about, it's not resuscitation because there was no life to begin with, this is God bringing life for the first time, so it can't be resuscitation. And when God breathed, this earthling lived. There is a scene, uh, I think it is in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but it might have been in one of the other books. I'm pretty sure it's in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, in which the lion, Aslan, breathes on these figures of stone that have been cursed by the white witch. It must be the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. 
and they've turned into statues. And Aslan breathes on these statues and slowly, gradually, they regain their coloring and they come back to life. They shake, they shake off that stoneness. And the one that I particularly remember is the description of Aslan breathing on another lion. And the lion gradually turns back to life, his, his mane shaking and his, his paws coming back to life. And when he fully, uh, even while his back, his haunches are still stone, and when he comes fully back to life, he jumps on Aslan just like they're two cats and they roll around. And I, I like that image especially because I have cats who do that. And so I can kind of picture that, that joyful, playful, just wonder of being alive. And that is sort of the kind of joyful entrance into life that I imagine and hope that this first earth creature felt as they sprang into life from God's breath. And as they encountered all of the other creatures that God was bringing to life around them, breathing into the mud and creating all of these creatures. Of course, C.S. Lewis wasn't just making up that narrative from whole cloth. Those, were the, those imaginings were based on this story and others in which breath is spirit, is life, and we see it when Jesus then breathes spirit into his disciples. This world of Narnia is the reflection of the biblical story, animating, life-giving within and without. Now, I don't necessarily feel actually like I am the best person to talk about breath. I'm here like I'm getting excited. I'm getting out of breath already, just like talking about breath. <laughs> and I tend to forget to breathe when I'm stressed or when I'm concentrating too intently on something difficult and like not just like shallow breathing or like now when I'm, I'm just like getting excited and getting out of breath but I'm, I find that I, I'm if I'm concentrating on something intently I'll find that I'm holding my breath or I've breathed out and I've just like forgotten to breathe in again so I'll, I'll sort of like <gasps> like kind of just like come to with a gulp of air and my body will rescue me because of course it doesn't want to die breath is life literally before brain scans and heart rate monitors. I'm just going to pause because life. There's enough Play-Doh for everybody to have one. And kids, you are doing a very good job of playing quietly with Play-Doh. Before brain scans and heart rate monitors, what humans had to know the difference between alive and dead was breath. A breathing being is a living being. God's breath in the earth creature is also in we who are alive and made out of earth. Breath is literally our life, of course, but it is also what is holy within us. Our creating one is an intimate God. And the breath in us is the thing that we have in common with everyone around us. What we have in common with every other earth creature. And we have been breathed into life by our creator. And within each of us, we carry God's spirit. On Friday morning, I had the experience of riding on public transit, which is sort of rare for me these days. So it feels a bit like a treat 
which I'm sure it doesn't to those of you who take bus or light rail every day. But I stood on the train <coughs> and I observed the breadth and width of humanity. It was a pretty tight train and I was standing. So I'm looking around and I'm seeing the beauty of what God has created. Colorful and alive and all different shapes and sizes and people talking to each other and people on their headphones and, uh, and it was beautiful to me. It would not always be beautiful to me, but it was beautiful to me. As I thought about all of us just being containers for the breath of God. All of us, in all of our diversity, in all of what we think, in all the different ways, these people who were just like molded Play-Doh, stretched, you know, long and skinny or round and different ages and our faces look different from each other, all just fingerprints of God. One thing that happens when we pay more attention to our breath is that we find ourselves mentally and even physiologically just like declenching and de-stressing. Because I hold stress in my body, as many of us do, because when anxiety becomes the cycle of uncertainty and my thoughts whirl around, remembering to breathe deeply Focusing only on breath, it can slow me down and unwind that tornado. This past week in our family and in some of yours was a week of transition. It was busy, it was stressful, and I had to remind myself and sometimes my people to breathe. There are many kinds of breathing practices. Lots of mindfulness practice includes breath. And one very simple one that I think I learned from Sue Park her this summer when I heard her teaching about trauma was this one. You can try it with me. <coughs> you breathe in for three, you hold for three, and you breathe out for four. How does your body change when you slow down to breathe? About a year ago, when I preached on the trauma of Bathsheba's encounter with David, Jonathan read a picture book called Jabari Jumps. And I know some of our children know that book. I know some of our parents know that book. It is a favorite in my household. It is about a boy who is a little bit scared of the diving board. He climbs up to jump, but he just can't do it, and he climbs back down again. He knows he's a good jumper, but he's just a little bit scared. And what his dad tells him is this. It's okay to feel a little bit scared. Sometimes if I feel a little scared, I take a deep breath, and I tell myself, I am ready. And you know what? Sometimes it stops being scary and feels a little bit like a surprise. Jabari took a deep breath and felt it fill his body from the ends of his hair down to the tips of his toes. And then after Jabari climbs back up the diving board, he looks out as far as he can see, whispers to himself, 
breath, that slowing down, allows him to look out and remember, he loves surprises. I'm a good jumper. He does it with a big splash. For lots of us, this time of year isn't anything especially new or different. But all of us do have experiences of stress or newness or transition or fear or the unknown. And a few of us are experiencing at this time of year the newness of school or other new kinds of transitions. Sometimes I listen to the podcast LeVar Burton Reads. Um, I mean, he is just beloved to many uh, from his days uh, both in Star Trek The Next Generation and also Reading Rainbow for those in my particular generation. This is like a Reading Rainbow for grown-ups. He just picks stories that he likes and he reads them. And the very first thing that he does before he reads any story is he says, if you're ready, let's take a deep breath and begin. And I absolutely cannot listen to it without taking a deep breath. I don't think I can hear the words deep breath without taking a deep breath. I'm also a very suggestible yawner. I did a lot of deep breathing while I was writing this. <laughs> so let me be LeVar Burton to you. Let me be Jabari's daddy. Take a deep breath. And let me be, let me be Melanie. Take another deep breath and let it out with a sigh. God breathes in you. Your first breath, those choppy, snuffling breaths that you took as an infant when you were on your person learning to breathe, the panting breath after a hard workout, the deep, regular rhythm of breath while you sleep, the wheezing breath of allergies or cold season, your very last breath as you die. Each breath is God breathing in you. God is also breath as we sing. It might be one of the best ways to breathe together. And so we'll sing. I invite you again to stand if you're able to, because I always learned you can breathe better when you're standing. And we're singing, O Breath of Life. And while we sing, God's earth people, we will breathe together and we will exhale in music. Let's sing together.